0: Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram podcast with your host, Certified Enneagram Coach Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our community. I am so excited for this episode. I have a phenomenal person on here who I am, I would say, blessed to call a friend. Oh my goodness. I have the amazing, the wonderful, and really doesn't need an introduction because I'll be honest with you. You're kind of famous now.
1: Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not famous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As you shake your head right now, you're, you're kind of famous now. Chi Chi, could you please introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everyone. I am Milton's famous friend. Just kidding. Um, I'm Chi Chi Agoram. I am a writer, an Enneagram teacher, and practitioner, and very excited to be here today.
0: Yes, let's go. Intro music. The Enneagram? Are you serious about growing and being liberated? Do you love to learn and grow in a safe community? Well, my Kaizen Community Enneagram program is perfect for you. I teach 12 weekly classes on Thursday night. I am only taking around 15 people. I would rattle off more details and all the benefits, but I'm pretty sure you would rather read them and get back to this episode. So simply go to kaizen-enneagram-community. Dot mn.co, or check out the show notes or find the IG page bio with the link tree or go to kaizencareers.com to find out more information. Learn and grow in safe community with others who love the Enneagram. Sign up while spots are still available. Hope to see you there. All right. So it's so many things I think about when I think about where we are compared to when I first met you, what, four years ago? Is it four? Oh, yeah. Yeah, four years ago. First of all, you helped me to know what pho is, and it's been un...
1: Unforgettable.
0: Yes, it has been (laughs) unforgettable. I'm so sorry to all the listeners. (laughs) It's so many other ones that we can use, and I have not forgot about it. Mm -hmm. So I've been eating a lot of pho since then, most definitely, and it's really expanded my palate, no doubt about it. So I still thank you for that. So one thing I think that was really amazing is... When we were there, I don't know if it was that exact moment, you mentioned that you wanted to create either an Enneagram book or something that helped people to understand the type structures. I don't know if you remember this. The type structures from a Black perspective and to share. Really? Yes, you did. Like, I'm sitting. See- like, I know we haven't even talked about this.
1: Wow. But
0: you said this, like, four years ago. And to see it manifest... And also what you wanted to do, you wanted to include black people in it. Like that was the thing you were talking about. And for it to manifest years later, like this has been incredible. Like I don't even know if you understand. Like
1: that's so crazy. Yes. I did not I I didn't remember that I said that. I didn't remember, wow, really speaking things into existence here.
0: Seriously. Because I remember saying to myself, I was like, ah, oh, that's gonna be pretty tough. Like that was my thought at the time.
1: That is true, yeah.
0: Right. And it was before 2020 as well. So I was like, it's really tough, you know, because people really not on valuing people. (laughs) So, yes. Oh, my goodness.
1: Thank you for reminding me of that, because I did not truly had no idea I was even thinking about that back then, four years ago. So that's crazy that it's happened and it's happened exactly, you know,
0: it has. So can you share a little bit of how you use the Enneagram and if you want to a little bit about like your book? and how it's come to be and how is it doing now for you and what it has afforded you to have the opportunity to do or whatever?
1: Yeah. So how I use the Enneagram. I am an Enneagram teacher. I am also going back into doing one-on-one work with people. I took a break from it for a little bit, but I'm starting to do that again. And then I also am adjunct faculty with the Narrative Enneagram. So right now I'm supporting the people who are going through their training process. So when you get to the end, you do like an internship and you do typing interviews with people, you do panels, that sort of thing. So I have people who I'm coaching through that process. So that's primarily how I'm using it right now. And then I wrote a book, The Enneagram for Black Liberation, which apparently I talked about four years ago. (laughs) And it is about... Thinking about Enneagram types as armor and armor that we put on to protect ourselves in a world that is often unsafe. And also, how that armor is necessary for a lot of us, specifically, my book centers uh, Black folks. So it is necessary for us in the way that when I was going through my training process with the Enneagram, there was a lot of. Conversation around how our types were things that we needed when we were younger, but we don't really need as much, and that health and growth looking less like your type or becoming less like your type. And first of all, I mean, I feel like now it's it's talked about enough, but I also still feel like it's necessary to say I don't believe that we are our types. We are people who utilize these different types. Your audience probably doesn't need that reminder, but I'm gonna still say it anyways.
0: <laughs> yeah, reminders are always helpful.
1: So, you know, it's like in my process and in my personal journey, what felt freeing to me at first was realizing that I am separate from my type, that I am Chi-Chi who utilizes this type structure because I have this story that I have to show up in the world in this way in order to be deserving of love, affection, care, approval, all of that. But the, the idea that that wasn't the entirety of me felt really freeing. It felt like I had more freedom to explore what else was true about me outside of just this one story. And so then within that exploration, I started to think about my type as armor, because I realized for myself that I noticed my type fourness more obviously when my core fears or core insecurities were activated. And so it was like, this is the thing I do to protect myself. This is my armor. This is my protection against feeling unworthy, unlovable, uh, the potential of being abandoned. And so- That's really where it came from. But then thinking through the lens of power and privilege and how some people have an easier time or greater access to putting down their armor without facing harm. While for some of us, we are risking even more harm by setting down our armor. And so wanting to talk about what that looks like to prioritize healing and growth work for people for whom that's the case or people who um, need their armor on a regular basis, but still also deserve access to the freedom and space to just be without the armor.
0: Listen, I first read, I was in Baton Rouge at the top of this library downtown because that's they have like like, this little thing you can go outside and it was chilly, but your book was keeping my soul warm when I was reading. Yes. I'm telling you, it was touching like all the deep parts. I was like, oh my goodness, this is just like speaking to my soul, my experience. Like it was So beautifully written. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Because I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is true. And this relates to something that I was like two weeks ago, I went to a retreat. And um, at the retreat, you know, they talked about for me specifically that I needed to, like, work on my relationship with my anger. But not in like, hold it back. Watch out for it. They was like, no, you need to express a little bit more. You need to. I was like, oh, mm, that's interesting. Didn't expect that. But when I thought about it, I do understand why. And I mentioned to them, I said, I hear you. I'm also a black man in America. So just like what you're saying, it's like, yes, I do. No doubt. But I also have to be very careful because in certain instances in our society, I don't have the privilege to just just like, put down my arm all of a sudden and be like, oh, I'm going to say what I really feel right here, right? Because it could... Put my life in danger, so I'm so glad you mentioned the societal piece to it because it matters deeply in this world we live in.
1: It really does. It really does. And there's so many elements to that where there are just so many layers to the way that people show up, even in these nine archetypes that we always talk about, that are so deeply affected by the culture that we live in, society, all of those things. And yeah, it's like, what does for me, as a four, one of the things I've noticed since writing my book is, and this was actually one of my intentions, so I'm really glad that it's happening. I feel like a lot of the written like, literature about fours in most Enneagram books I've read is trash.
0: Snapping in the background.
1: <laughs> like, it's just...
0: <laughs> Snapping in the background.
1: I'm like, y'all have never met a four. I just don't. I don't know. Like, There's just so much that... Because it made it very hard for me to find my own type when I was first new to the Enneagram, because I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. This is not, because I'd read the four stuff and I'm like, that doesn't feel true. So one of my goals in writing, especially the four chapter, was hopefully to help other people who identify with that type feel seen in a way that we haven't in other books and other forms of literature. And most of the people who have reached out to me since the book are fours. (laughs) So I think it's working. but. I just think about, to your point, I think about the difference in how our type structures show up based on these different identities that we carry. I know for sure that my primary type that I use is a four. Most people who meet me don't think that's true. Wow. Like I had a friend the other day who was like, I'm, I'm still not sure you're a four. Like, I feel like I experienced you as like, I don't know, maybe a five or a six, but not a four. <laughs> And I think that there are so many reasons, right? But it's all the layers. And that's what I think about in terms of armor. It's like, I have multiple layers of armor. I was raised in Lagos, Nigeria, which is very eight culture in many ways. If you ask anyone from my childhood, from my teenage years, they'd probably think I was an eight. I was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it was how I survived because you kind of had to be, at least I thought. You had to be. And then in my actual life, because I'm an introvert, I prefer to be at home. My home is my sanctuary. I want to be here. I want to be comfortable. And I love to read. So it's like there are certain things people stereotype as like, oh, that's like more head type. I am also very analytical, but I'm still very much in my in my feelings and my emotions, right? But then I also live in this culture as a Black woman. And so I'm very familiar with the six. I'm constantly thinking about who's going to be at the thing that I'm invited to. And what are all the things that I need to do to prep in case something goes wrong? And I have that armor on always, as I think most Black folks in the U.S. do. And then I've been feeling very connected in the last year to sevenness as an armor.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering about that.
1: (laughs) Because there's just it's just a lot. It's been a lot collectively it's been a lot right so i have just noticed that maybe even my preferred armor right now looks a lot like the seven where i'm just like i'm going to focus on having a good time one of the people who who doesn't believe that i'm a four um our interactions are like that cuz i'm just like it's too heavy it's too dark i can't do this i will actually drown so like i am making everything funny I am like I'm moonlighting as a seven is what I've been saying. <laughs> and <laughs> and I really enjoy that part of myself, but I also know that it's like there's so much going on collectively and personally that I'm like, I don't I don't have the capacity to be present for all of it. So I just gotta go somewhere else that's fun. Like, let's just go have a good time so I can forget about the world for a few hours.
0: Seriously. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my goodness. There's so many layers. You were speaking out. It was so many ideas popping up in my head. I was like, hmm, yep. We can go, oh, oh, yep. Mm hmm. What I love so much about, I think sometimes the purpose or something that we're supposed to give to the world, a lot of times it's in counter to what we find comfortable. So, can you speak? You, like you said, you're an introvert, you wrote a book. <laughs> And it's getting a nice bit of notoriety out there. And so how has it been being introverted and loving being comfortable, loving to enjoy self in like a small group of really trusted people when you do compared to now your name is out there. Now there's a book and now people are like, hey, oh my goodness, uh, what are you doing? So how has that been for you? Because I know that's such a juxtaposition almost. It's like a counter. How's that been for you?
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, I am an introvert, but in party settings or group settings, sometimes people think I'm not. You show up. I can show up. (laughs) I do. (laughs) And I think, you know, like as with many things, we forget what the actual word means. Like being an introvert doesn't mean I don't like being around people. I just recharge by myself. So no matter how much I love you and enjoy your company, I still need time by myself to recharge. So when I'm around people, I can show up as an extrovert. But with the book, I think more so than like the energy of extroverting, it's been the internal energy to remind myself that I don't need to manage my image and manage my perception in other people's eyes. Mm. That's really been the thing for me because I'm a hard type. So there's this you know desire to be seen in a positive light. This has been lifelong work for me, um, and I'm so glad this book came now because if it came like five years ago. I would not. <laughs> I would not have survived. So it's been lifelong work, but I have to remind myself of that. That part of ease and freedom for me is that I get to be Chi Chi. I don't have to be the person you think I should be because I'm the author of this book. I don't have to show up for you in the way that you expect me to because I'm the author of this book. I still get to be myself. And that's much harder to like keep reminding myself of in the world that we live in where there are just so much demands on, you know. Show up a certain way on social media, do this, do that, talk about this. And I'm like, but I don't want to. Right. (laughs) That's not actually what's important to me right now. (laughs) I'm not here to perform for you. And really, that's my reminder. You know, like I'm saying that to myself because it's very easy for me to be like, no, I do have to perform. That's how I get acceptance, that's how I get approval. So.
0: Oh, I felt that so much. The way we, all types, hang on to our, like we affix ourselves so deeply to our perceived version of an image that we portray to other people of who we want them to believe who we are. Yes. It is so much energy. That is so much work. And it's so it's tiring. so
1: tiring too. Yes.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <so. laughs> Said the exact same thing. <laughs> yep.
0: And I think on a smaller scale, I've found that to be you know, being black in the Enneagram space—I mean, we stand out like unicorns. There's no doubt. Like you know us when you see us, and so it's like—and especially if we have some type of platform. and Then people are like, "Do I know you? Oh, are you such and such?" And it's like, "Yeah, but I'm here to learn. Thank you. Maybe later. I'm here. To, let me, I just want to be a learner today. I'm not <laughs> sharing, teaching, working, nothing. So yeah, that—that that is something else. So small transition. I have a different question. Something that I always admire about people in the Enneagram space, and how I know when a person, a teacher, coach, trainer, consultant is quality, it's about the inner work they do. And I know you are one of the people, like I just remember first meeting you and it was like four words came up when I was thinking about this. I was like, wow, she's super stylish when she came in, right? And I know the first episode we talked about, I was like, came in like casually, you know, a little bit late, but you were like, I wasn't late. I'd, I'd have to come to that first stuff because I already knew it.
1: Still was not late. You will not. You will not do revisionist history here. <laughs> I was not late. I was right on time. Y'all were early.
0: <laughs> so I was like stylish. I was like deep because it was like when you did speak about something. Because a lot of times it was like you know you, you you had that kind of like like I'm I'm observing. I'm look. I'm listening. And then deep when you actually spoke. And then there was also like fun. There was just, like, a lot of, like, fun when, like, we would go do things, you know, and enriching experiences. So those, like, three words come up very strongly when I think of, like, Chi-Chi. I'm like, hmm.
1: I love those words. Thank you. Stylish, deep, and fun. Yes. I feel very seen. Thank Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. And so... One thing I, like I said, I admire, and you can always tell the quality of any Enneagram teacher, and you even put this in your book, it's not only who you learn from, but it's like what inner work is a person doing? You know, who's teaching, who's sharing, consulting, whatever. And one thing I admire about you is that you are serious about your inner work, like super serious. And I think part of what you do and your inner work and your seriousness about it rubbed off on me, even meeting you the first time like four years ago. So currently what is something that you're doing as an inner work in your growth path?
1: Um, So I'm currently working with, I have two cohorts that I'm running right now. They're three month cohorts and we're in our last month. It's all black women and it's been amazing. So we're using the Enneagram as kind of like the foundational system that we use to talk about ease and rest and freedom as black folks. And like, talking about how our armor can keep us from the ease that we desire. And um, one thing that has come up for me working with the women in, in my cohorts is just really seeing how we all have these nine stories, right, that we tell about ourselves that we think are true. And so true. and they're, you know it's a one-sided story. There are parts of it that, that have been true, but there's more, you know, my favorite question in terms of like my personal work to ask myself is what else is true? Because I feel like if I say that my story as a four is not true, it invalidates the many times and experiences and situations where that story has been true. But if I say what else is true, then I'm not invalidating. I'm saying, yes, this could be true and It's like the and that expands us and gives us access to more possibility. But (laughs) what I've noticed about myself recently in terms of inner work is how much work is still left to be done around this story that I have to earn love. And the way that I've seen it most recently is that I discount any love that is offered to me that I have not earned. Like if I didn't work for it, if I didn't perform for it, it can't be real. You can't really mean that you're not really offering me love. Like I got to do something for it. I got to, you know, I have to perform. I have to earn it in some way. And so thinking about how that story informs like the things that I overlook or discount or push away because I have this ingrained, you have to work for it. I have to prove that I'm deserving of it. So if you're offering it to me before I've proven anything, then it's not real. And so that's something I have been working on and and asking that question both of like, what else is true, but also noticing, allowing myself to be present for those moments. Like when I identify, this is love that's being offered. This is care and acceptance and approval that's being offered without me having to do anything to earn it. Like making myself pause and stop and really feel. I write about in the book, it's one of my favorite things to remember that it takes like 11 seconds for positive feedback to stick, right? Like it's like, nanoseconds for negative. Anything negative just sticks immediately. But the positive, you got to like pause. So letting myself pause in those moments and accept, learn to accept and feel and integrate the care and the love that is being offered to me without earning it and making that conscious like, you did nothing here to earn this. And yet it's still here for you. Can you allow yourself to accept that? without then going, okay, so then now what do I need to do to maintain it? Because that's what keeps, that's a tiring part of the story is that you have to work to earn it. But then because you work to earn it, now you have to work to maintain it, which means you can never rest. You can never actually just feel the ease of being loved as you are, because you think you have to keep doing something to maintain the love. Mm. And it's so, I don't know if I could cuss on your podcast, but.
0: Do your thing. It's all good.
1: I won't. It's so tiring. (laughs) So that's one of the things I've been working on recently. And of course, offering myself grace and compassion because one of the practices I learned from one of my Enneagram teachers is the of course practice. So lots of gentle, of course, I believe I have to work for love. Of course. I have many, there are many practical things from my childhood and past that taught me that this was true. So of course, this is a story. And what else is true? Is it possible that I'm being offered love that I don't have to work for? Yes. Can I practice being present with it and accepting it? How does that change me? Yeah, that's one of the things that I'm working on.
0: It's me again in another one of those funny commercials to remind you that the Kaizen Community Enneagram program is having open sessions. I do two cohorts a year. One starts in January, one starts in August. In this program, you will feel heard, seen, and connected. You will leave the program with way more knowledge, a deeper level of growth, and some lifelong friends. To sign up and learn more, go to kaizen-enneagram-community.mn.co or see the show notes or the Instagram bio link tree. All right, back to the episode. I felt that in my body because there is two weeks ago, I was at a retreat and um, it was, and I know people are going to be like, he keeps saying two weeks on all these episodes. Does he always go to retreats? Uh, (laughs) Because they're going to be released different weeks. But anyway, I went to a retreat a little while ago. And like the core thing you're talking about, feeling like you have to work, you know, you have to perform in order to be loved. It resonates so deeply with my core, which is I don't actually feel like anyone can truly in totality love all of me. I know this is messed up to actually say this on a podcast, but anyway.
1: No, it's not.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that. And so I was like, let me share this because at first it was people listening to this, they're going to, oh my goodness, they're going to know something a little deep. But at first I had the, this was a layer to it before I got down to more of the core. I said, I don't allow people close enough to actually love me. And I thought that was the core thing. And I was like, keep going. Like another day, you know, and then I was like, oh, no, I actually don't believe someone can. So I was like, oh, crap, this is dang it, you know. So that's a little something that resonates deeply with what you were saying. And so I I was like, hmm.
1: Yeah. And like the belief part is like, it's much harder to, (laughs) it's like one thing to be like, oh, I don't let people. Close enough Because I do the same thing. I do let people close enough. It's like, okay, I could choose to let people in, but <laughs> the belief part,
0: <laughs> yeah. how do you
1: change that? <laughs> I don't know.
0: That is the work. <sighs> that is the harder work because I was like, oh no. And when you can feel the experience in your body, like, oh, because I had a whole lot of other stuff that was on top, but I had time to work through a lot of it. I'm like, oh, 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 this is crazy.
1: And part of that, like the other piece that I have been working on like this related to that is I don't... I'm a self-preservation for part of the story of my armor is that I have to be able to bear hard things and suffering well. So I am the queen of suffering and silence, Mm -hmm. the queen. (laughs) And there's so many, like there's hard things in general, but my personal life has had a lot of really difficult things the last couple of months. And I just am not good at talking about what is hard. And I've never been, but the Enneagram has given me language to understand why I do that and understand that it's not because, because I had told myself so many excuses before of why I did it. And it's always all about other people, right? Like nobody knows how to show up for people who are suffering anyways. So like, what's the point? You're going to disappoint me in the way you show up. So
0: (laughs) yes. Oh my goodness.
1: Uh, so I, I had all of that. But recently I realized that a part of it for myself is that I don't, part of why I don't talk about what's hard um, or I feel like I have to suffer in silence. There is the story that that's how I earn love too. I'm working on book number two right now and it's a memoir and- Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, I'm so excited. Go ahead.
1: Um, Thank you. And I thought this to myself as I've been working on it Like there's so much people know, other than like my very small group of trusted people, people know like 30% of me and my story, but it's all going to be in this book. And so this story comes in, this like armor comes in of like, oh, I will finally, like this is like the crowning achievement of earning love because now you will finally see how much I endured with a smile on my face. And then you'll really, truly then believe that I'm deserving of love and acceptance and approval. So even in the writing process, I have to pause and be like, nobody can give that to you. You are already deserving of acceptance and love and approval. You are telling the story because it is a story worth telling, but not because you need other people's affirmation or approval to be okay. But yeah, it's like, even in my day to day, asking for help or allowing other people close enough into the suffering. I feel like I have to protect people from my own experience of pain. And so I might give you the sparks notes. I'll give you like the general, and I always do it with the, my therapist has called me out on this so many times because I'll just be like, yeah, this is happening and this is happening. And yeah, that happened. Yeah, that kind of sucked, but it's okay. She's like, ma'am, no. (laughs) 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 You're not just going to breeze by that. Because I'm like, well, I'll just give you a little bit of distance because the way that I believe I have to earn and keep your acceptance and love and you wanting to continue to be in my life is to not overwhelm you with the things that are hard for me so that you still want to be around me. Working to unlearn these things is fun. (laughs) It's not fun.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Oh, it's fun. And no, actually.
1: It's worth it, but it's it's difficult because it goes against the automatic subconscious patterning that I don't even have to work to be awake and conscious of, and say, "Okay, what other choice can I make here? How can I allow this person in just a step closer?" You know.
0: Right. Yeah. We we have quite a few similarities in that one because when I do recognize the more deeper sadness that I do carry, which is quite a bit that I've been working, I'm like, oh. There's a lot of sadness there. I do feel the need at times to protect people from it. I'm like, I don't want them to feel down about this. You know, it's a little different because of my type structure, but mine's like, I don't want them to feel down or be depressed if I introduce this or I say this. And and so, like you said, unlearning that. Yeah, it is work.
1: Yeah. One of my best friends is a seven and we were talking about this recently and she said she's realized that so much of her subconscious role that she plays in friendships and relationships is to be the one who is lighthearted and up and fun so she doesn't share about the things that are difficult because there is that like this is what you're expecting me to show up as so if I bring all this stuff to you I'm not meeting our agreement Mm -hmm. so you're probably gonna like disappear which is like different motivations but very similar behavior like we still keep (laughs) we still keep the suffering and the pain and the whatever to ourselves but yeah
0: oh yeah so, I had a moment where I was able to share differently in a group of good friends before I went over to Europe. And it was just, I think my heart was warmed from being in that group because we hadn't been together in a while. And then also, I had some sake <laughs> quite a bit. And so,
1: that will always help. Yes.
0: <laughs> and so, at the end, I'm like, I'm like talking to people, giving like emotional, motivational speeches to them and stuff. And I'm like, you're going to be able to do a great job. And I'm proud of you. You've been through so much. And I'm sitting there because there's moments where, my brain kicks in and was like, What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't usually operate this way. Like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah, so I get that. And so one question I do want to ask you, because I spoke on the Shift Network and I was speaking about D E and I. Um, I talked about oppression, oppressive systems. And at the very end, a lady who's an eight, a white woman, she says, I thrive on having like being able to do what I want, like being able to have freedom and being able to She says, When do you feel free? And it caught me off guard and I wasn't ready and I was like you know I start tearing up a little bit before I could answer the question and so my question to you because your book is about the armor we wear in what situations or when do you feel you're able to relax and take some of your armor off?
1: Yeah that's a good question. (laughs) My first answer is not even about me. It's just like, I'm doing this cohort with these women. And so this is, this is a theme that has come up as we've talked about, like, what does ease actually mean? What does freedom actually mean? And like across the board, most of them, like 95% of them are like, I don't know. Cause I don't know that I've actually fully experienced that in my body ever. When do I feel free? Hmm, I don't know. I was, I was gonna say in the company of good friends, But the people who have known me the longest, my community in Colorado before I moved out to California was predominantly non-Black. And so a lot of those, not all, but a lot of those friendships that have spanned the last few decades are with people who still don't understand my full lived reality. So I'm free. To some degree, like there's a level of like, I know you love me and I know you're like on my team forever, but there isn't a full expression of like no armor on. I think my most honest answer is that I feel freest when I'm by myself, when I don't feel like I am having to manage other people's expectations of me or needing to show up a certain way, whether it's to be safe or to be seen a certain way. Because when I'm by myself, it's like I am i live alone and I'm the kind of person who lives alone and talks to herself all the time. So if somebody could hear me from the next apartment, they would think someone was always over. Nah, I'm just talking to myself.
0: <laughs> I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs> but it's like maybe a wave, like the waves of, I might be having like a really introspective conversation with myself, but then like putting on a comedy show for myself because I really do think I'm really funny. <laughs> yes. It's just like the freedom to be wherever I'm at however I'm feeling in that moment. I have relationships where I do feel that, but I think being alone has been the closest access to that level of freedom. And in my book and in like the, when I work with people, I use the imagery of like my first body memory of being free of like when I was three years old. And I think since that age, I mean, life happened, trauma happened, things happened. And it's hard to return back to that sense of like complete freedom, ease. But there are moments, I get glimpses of it that feel really beautiful. And I think in the times when I'm with people, the sense of connectedness, that's like nobody's doing anything to earn anything here. It's just, we're just being together. And this feels life-giving and easeful and free. And I've had those moments too.
0: Yes. So I, I don't know if I loved it, but It made total sense. I don't know if the word love would be the one I would use, but I resonate with the pause that you took to actually try to think about when you actually feel that, because that was the pause that I took when she asked me the question. I was like, oh, I don't even consider that a lot. I don't even think of that a lot. And I've had it body memory wise, I mean, I would say maybe three times, you know, like I can think of three locations, I would say it's probably better to say three locations where I feel that way on a more consistent basis, not like a moment in time with friends. And then all of a sudden you got to go somewhere or something, you know, in one of those places I won't mention over here, obviously, I don't mention, you know, my places, you know. So that was, I was definitely glad to hear you speak on that because that's a, that's a big deal. It's such a big deal.
1: It really is.
0: To feel human as a whole human, to not feel super guarded, to have your heart come online and to be, I mean, like fully online and to not have to fit anyone's, I don't know, stereotype, perspective, image, anything like characteristic, just, ah, you know, there's very few moments in my body. I'm kind of feeling it now. It's like, whew, it feels free, light in such a good way.
1: One thing came up for me when you were talking about that too, and I think the moments where I am playing or playful, like like the childlikeness, are also moments where I have experienced freedom, which. I'm trying to to make it a habit to make time to play, but it's not my first instincts. But those are the moments too, where I'm like, oh right, this is, I was even thinking like, what? how do you even define freedom? Like, what what does that actually mean? <laughs> when it's like, when do you feel free? It's like, well, well, what does that mean? And one of the things I think of is feeling weightless. Yes. Like floating in water, you know? And it's very rare that I ever feel weightless living in this world. But then when I'm engaged in play, there is a form of weightlessness there that allows me to feel free.
0: And I think of exploration on top of that. Like if I can explore a place, especially I don't know, usually it's not in this country, to be completely honest. It feels amazing. Like it feels like, oh, just going over here and checking this out. Oh, what is that? That's nice. I felt that in different parts of Europe when I was able to just explore, just go out there. No one knew who I was, nothing. Just mm-hmm. it was really cool. So I could talk to you for hours because this is it's so much richness. What are some things that you have coming up that you're doing? And to end that part, once you mention some things you're doing, um, how can people get in touch with you and find you? Get in touch with what you're doing. Let me say that.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you. Cause I don't want them to find me. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like some of my work, but please leave me alone. <laughs> Just kidding. I am open and friendly. I just, I'm very boundaried. (laughs) Like if I don't know you, please don't act like I know you. What am I doing? I am wrapping up this this round of the cohorts at the end of this month, but we're starting again another three month cohort in September. So there will be, I will be starting the signups for that next month in August. And I'm very excited to do it again. It's been truly, really life-giving. I'm working on a couple workshops with Co teaching with a couple of people. So, one with Jessica Denise Dixon, JD, and another with one of the faculty members at the Narrative Enneagram. So, when all that's settled, Instagram or my website would be the best place to find out more about that. And on Instagram, I am at the Enneagram for Black Liberation, and my website is Chichiagoram.com. You can also join my mailing list to be updated about things that are coming up. But those are the main, those are the main things for now that are ongoing. Cohorts in the fall, workshops, and some one-on-one availability if you want to do work with me.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Make sure you go out and buy the book if you have not.
1: Oh yeah, buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so good at this. So good. Can you tell? I'm like, oh, right. I should tell people to buy the book. You can buy the book. All the links are also on my website.
0: Yes, I'll make sure they're in the show notes as well on this episode so people can go learn more, sign up to maybe be a part of one of your cohorts, buy the book. I mean, seriously, Chi-Chi, the way that you write is, I'm serious, like it is, oh, I wish I wrote that way. (laughs) Let me say that. (laughs) I do not write that way at all, but I wish I did. Thank you. Please go and buy the book.
1: If there are men out there who are involved in Enneagram personal development work, join the cohorts too. Why is it always the women? Y'all show up,
0: <laughs> right? We do need to show up. We do, as a whole. Like it's the Enneagram space is missing quite a few of us.
1: Bring them in, Milton. Bring them in.
0: I will. Working on it slowly but surely. Uh, the only other announcement that I have is for uh, listeners. July 20 through the 23rd, 2023 will be the International Global Enneagram Conference in San Francisco. So please mark the date on your calendar. Really amazing people will be there with the Enneagram. I'm going to be doing some crazy, amazing things. I would love to see you all. I don't know. Maybe Chi Chi will be there. I don't know. I haven't asked her. It's, it's her personal business.
1: It's her personal business. <laughs> Maybe I'll
0: be there. Maybe Chichi will be there, which is awesome. But mark your calendars. It's going to be phenomenal. We're going to do quite a bit. It'll be the biggest one like that's ever been done. Be back in person. And it's phenomenal place we're going to have it at. So I would love to see your face or hear your voice for sure. And um, if you are seeing your ego act a fool, take a deep breath, make a better choice and do it for the gram, the Enneagram, of course. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.